0: So the sunshine hour was and is uh, one hour to switch off, to better switch on to yourself, others, and the world around you. Something bright, relaxed, creative, just to connect to one another. So no one knew each other, eight people in the Zoom. I started with my community, and that was, it just got out of control. So started, I think, on the third or fourth day of the quarantine, and then I did session every day and it got to a number of like more than 500 people connecting more than 40 countries it was just like nuts i had people sending me emails from anywhere saying can i get into the next session i've heard about your sunshine hour i would love uh,
1: a bit of sunshine this week's guest is caroline arditi born and raised in paris she's a creative and unconventional woman of action her mission is to make the world more human and help people feel more alive. Building on her career in corporate communications and PR, Caroline is now founder of Sunshine Makers, an experiential agency focused on creating positive momentum in the world. Through her Sunshine Hour and Supper Club, she nurtures a growing global community of believers and doers working to make the world a more joyful place. In her book, New or Us in English. She shares a wealth of advice, inspirational stories and tools and tips to learn how to build a community, foster bonds and feel a sense of belonging one step at a time. Caroline is also embarking on her most ambitious project, hashtag the million creative tribe. By collaborating with schools and marginalised communities, she aims to connect one million individuals to their creativity and unleash their full human potential. Caroline is a difference maker and is certainly a dose of sunshine and a refreshing antidote to the negative news feeds that bombard us with stories of the threat of AI, political polarization, social isolation, global conflicts, and impending climate calamity. So I hope you enjoy this uplifting episode with Caroline Arditi. Caroline, welcome to the Impossible Network.
0: Thank you, Mark, for having me.
1: It's an absolute delight and it's a long time hiatus. So it's really good to be back on again uh, with you. So we've established what you do. Let's go really deep right now and dive in and ask you, who are you as a human being?
0: Who am I? That's a good question. I'd say, I'd start by saying I'm a citizen of the world. So I'm Parisian, born and raised, but more certainly the world has shaped the human I'm today. So my tribe is very much in all the different parts of the world, and I think Second one, I'd say I'm unconventional, so I like to do things differently. I like to twist things and make it fun. I'd say I'm a woman of action, so I do what I say, I do what I preach, and I'd rather make it now and not later. And I think I find a lot of satisfaction by doing so. And maybe the last one, I should have started with this. Uh, I'm a creative person, so I put creativity in uh, almost everything I do, and I make sure to nurture my uh, creative soul. And maybe a few other keywords that would describe me as a human would be hypersensitive, so that's a big one for me, adventurous, positive, generous, passionate. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it.
1: Interesting description of who you are as a human being, this creative, unconventional woman of action, then does lead me to ask the next question, is to who made you that creative, unconventional woman of action, or what made you, you?
0: Mm. I would say a couple of different things and um, people. I'll start maybe with my parents and education, and I think I was lucky enough and I'm lucky enough because they're still alive. Thank God to have very open-minded parents. So they always were and are still very supportive of my past, what I do, the decision of my life journey, even if they might not understand anything that I do, but it's fine. Like they're very open to listen and Yeah, they, they, they very intrigued and that surely helped me, I think, follow my dreams and not take the path that the world or conventions, um, wanted me to take. So that's the first one. Then the second one would be school. And that's, that would be unusual to me to say that today because back in the days, like I'm, I'm very thankful today of what happened back in the days, the little Caroline. And what it had brought me to the person I became today, because what I've experienced in the past at school was not like, it was quite hardcore. Like I, I didn't belong. So I had some difficulties. So I had a dyslexia in the playground as I was. So I started wearing glasses maybe when I was three years old. But back in the days, like classmates were not really nice with each other. I mean, yeah. Not all the time. So I'd get like so many different names. And back in the time, like I couldn't, I was very introvert. I was very shy, didn't know what to say, what to do. And I didn't have the tools. So it was, it was not easy. And I think I was like put on a, on a side. So I think the lesson now, so it's, it's funny how when you look back and you connect the dots, Today, I'm I'm really thankful for what happened back in the days because as I had all those troubles at school, my urge to belong, my urge to create a community, my urge to connect with each other and build that inspiring, nurturing community is actually at the core of everything that I'm doing. So it started from back in the days. It's
1: interesting because it could have set you on a completely different path. You know, there must have been some yeah. sort of inner dealiness to you because a lot of kids with you know the being being different at school, standing out, as you said, becoming shy, introverted, that could have become a lifelong set of characteristics that are almost alien to what you're doing now. Uh, so rather than withdrawn to yourself, you had this inner urge to belong, to build network. What do you think made that? Is it just na- nature? It's not something that your parents nurtured. Or, or were they aware of what you were going through emotionally at school and encouraging you to be something more than the person that was? they were maybe uh, projecting onto you?
0: That's actually really interesting what you said, because my parents didn't really Realized all that back in the days. And I think it's just very recently when I, and we, we, we might touch on that later. I wrote a book and on the book and at the very beginning of the book, that's what I explained with like a couple of different stories and one of which is like a bit intense. And my parents didn't even like, they were kind of very surprised that all of this came out. But what I'm, what I can say is, and that's, I think my third point and, and, and fourth points, uh, to your question mm. is my travels and life experiences helped and shaped the way I am today. So the travels, I think not so long after, uh, I decided to leave France and go to Sydney for four years. So lived in Australia, didn't know anyone back in the, at the time I was 21 and I think I grew twice as fast because mm-hmm. I had to create my life all over again, so it was it was just an amazing opportunity space to build my life my own way when in France, it started like I'm not going to say in a bad way, but it was challenging so and I think this experience really mm-hmm. shifted my mindset and opened myself to a whole new world culture's way of thinking and actually when i co- uh, i i came back one thing that was that really struck me there was so many things because it's very different living in australia compared to paris because i'm 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 based in paris i'm here actually now in amsterdam but i'm based in paris but one thing that i i really smiled at when i came back is for instance at work like people in australia would would start any any work, uh, stuff talking about the opportunity space. Whereas when I came back to France, the, the starting point was the problem hmm. or the issue to try and solve. So when you're talking about opportunity or the issue or problem to solve, this is not the same starting point. So that's that, that was quite interesting. And I think, yeah.
1: Could I go back? I just, cause you jumped into going to Sydney. I, I just want to clarify, you went as a, a young girl at school, going through what many would describe as trauma, having people objectifying you as something different, feeling an outsider, being an introvert. At what point did you, if you really defining memory of when you started to, your worldview emerged, that you were more than the way that people were projecting on you? When did that characterization change? When did you become... More, let's say, outward looking, confident. Did you build a, a friend network and to sort of evolve into the human that you are now? What was that pivot? Cause it must have been a point at school, I'm assuming, where something started to change in you. And what was the influence? What triggered that?
0: I think it started when I went to business school. So it was still in Paris. Yes, you're right. So I did a three years business school in Paris and that's when I started and I had the urge to start a community. And at that time it started with, I was doing lots of sports. So it was golfing and that took like a pretty uh, big amount of my time. So I decided to create a sports association, golf association. And that's when Started to build something around people and then I would, I had the desire to connect students to people that were, that did the school before and that had this experience, uh, the work experience, the business experience and to have like some workshops and events. And that's when I all started. And I think, but I think really what helped me was to get away. And build that, like I'd say, second life away from home, mm-hmm. and that was Sydney.
1: So you've come a long way, Caroline. Since that early urge at university to to, to build community, and you you went into a career in communications and PR with that sort of that desire and that inner sense, this urge to do something around community. And what? Took you down a slightly different path because PR isn't a natural sort of path to go when you've got a desire to build networks and community and have impact. Well, certainly not the type of impact I think you were maybe considering.
0: So yes, that's right. I've, so I've worked for 15 years in the PR communication and events industry and loved it. And I think I, I, I started by doing, and that was like, always there doing events. So kind of experiences before it was, and for years it was for uh, major uh, brands that we all know. And then I shifted and it was a couple of years ago and it all started because of something that we all know as the coronavirus.
1: Ah, the COVID, yeah. had
0: quite an unexpected experience at that time and I think for the last four years I am doing a different sort of work and I'm trying to achieve something that is very very much inspiring me and also trying to do good for the people and the planet and that's something that started yeah three years ago I'd say
1: well, that leads us nicely to that the third big question, which is, what are you working to achieve before you shuffle off this mortal coil? As you just described there, and I'm looking at your website, you do say that your mission is to make the world more human and humans more alive, which is a lovely line that really sort of encapsulates a very clear, single-minded mission. And you say also, one step, one breath at a time. So. When we first met, you, you told me about that experience in COVID and why this was, it was such a transformational, positive, pivotal point for you in your life and the direction you're taking. A lot of people, it was certainly transformational, but not in a positive way. Could you maybe just take us back to that time in 2020? I think all of us can vividly remember the experiences of lockdown and what your experience was like and the impact that had on your network of friends and then how it expanded and led to what you're doing now. If you could take us on that journey.
0: So when all of that happened, I was working on three major projects. The three major projects just got on hold and it was very unexpected. So I was quarantined at home in Paris in a a small apartment, uh, no outside balcony, and it was pretty hardcore in Paris. But the fact is, I was feeling great and I had a lot of ideas and a lot of energy and I was surely very connected to the world. So why is that? Because I think for the past 25 years, I've nurtured my community in a very conscious way. And I knew how to, I knew how to belong. I knew how to connect. And I think the momentum was still there when everyone was quarantined. So what I did was straight away, I kept reaching out because this is how I am. And very quickly, I understood that I had to offer people that energy and that creativity that I had inside to help people get better or actually just cruise on that time when everyone was quite like, yeah, it was quite brutal. So I just thought, what are the things, what are my superpowers that I can reach out to people? And that's when I started the sunshine hour so the sunshine hour was and is because it's still running uh one hour to switch off to better switch on to yourself others and the world around you it was something bright relaxed creative just to connect to one another so no one knew each other in the zoom session so it was zoom session eight people in the zoom I started with my community, wouldn't make any difference between clients, friends or whatever. I would just make a difference between French people, I mean uh, French and English, so I would do like English and fr- French version. and that was it just out got out of control, so started I think on the third or fourth day of the quarantine, so very early for during the first quarantine, and then I did session every day. The first quarantine, and it got to a number of i don't know I had almost like more than five hundred people connecting uh more than forty countries Wow it was just like nuts
1: the the beauty was and you knew the, all these people across forty countries
0: I didn't know all the people, and that's the beauty about right. it because I started with the people i I, I knew. And then after the word of mouth was so crazy that I had people sending me emails from anywhere saying, "Can I get into the next session? I've heard about your Sunshine Hour. I would need, I would love uh, a bit of sunshine." That's what they said at the, at the <laughs> back in the time. But at the end, so that was that was unexpected because so I had so much fun, like facilitating all those. Century hours and and at the end, not only was that was I witnessing people doing business with each other, people becoming friends, connecting, growing, starting some conversation, and put themselves into action mode. So they, so that was their part, and for myself, so I had just found my why just out of being in quarantine and it's just because and I think that's coming back to your your first question that in this time like very challenging time like my my thing was I knew that I couldn't spend my energy on what I couldn't control so the outside world so I'd put All my energy and all my all my focus to what I could create,
1: and that's what I did. I've got a question. And in terms of just how that hour manifested, did you have an idea at the beginning how you would bring together these random people and what the conversation would be? Did you have a a topic? How did you manage it, or did you just bring them together and just let it flow?
0: No. So I've, and I think that's one of my zone of genius. So. It was one hour. It was very, very well distributed. So started with some icebreakers because people didn't know each other. So anyone that would connect to the session, they would know anyone in the session. And by the end, they would share so many personal stuff. It was quite magical, but I've. I created like this safe space mm-hmm. so that people could feel comfortable connecting with one another in a very simple, authentic, sincere way. And I think by being vulnerable, they connected and we connected at a deeper level. And that's what, when, when I said, and when I talked about creativity mm-hmm. before, creativity was And is in the middle of everything that I do. So there was some creativity magic in there Mm -hmm. as well. Because like, for example, one thing that the first thing that people would do, I would make people draw. So they were drawing. So I would ask a question and they didn't answer by just talking, but they, they shared their drawings. So that's, that's kind of some of the ideas that I. Yeah, shared so how is that
1: taking on this trajectory from the let's say we're now approaching four years since that 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 defining time in 2020 you've recently written a book new how has that experience changed the trajectory and you know what are you working now to achieve with this new direction that you're in what are your your hopes and uh, um, expectations
0: I think, okay, so the last four years, I've understood that I needed to put my energy to make people feel alive. And one question that I, I love to ask people, I love to ask people so many questions, but one is, when is the last time you've felt deeply alive? And people tend to like look at me saying, Oh my God, I've got no idea. Anyway, so that's being alive. I think. And talking about communities and belonging, I do think that if you if you belong, you feel alive. If you feel alive, you are fulfilled, and if you fulfill you're happy. But I think the first starting point is to belong. And with the quarantine, coronavirus, viruses, screens, social media, and everything, it didn't. It surely didn't help. Mm-hmm. And I think people. People have no clue how to bond anymore in real life. People need, they need assistance, they need reminders, they need inspiration, they need directions. They need to understand that screens are not the answers. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. It's in French, hopefully one day in English, mm-hmm. but it's called Us. mm mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's very much of a practical guide to like with ideas, stories, challenges, just to show people that they need to belong to be happy. And it's not based, so it's based on also research. I've done lots of research and one of which is really interesting. It's one in the U S that was done for like 75 years uh It's Harvard who did uh, research on happiness mm-hmm. and to cut it short, like the answer was the ones uh, that live the longest are the happiest and are the healthiest mm-hmm. are the one uh, who nurtured their relationship with care in real life. So it was not the one that were like the the richest or had like big houses or anything. Mm-hmm. It was the people the tribe, the people. So that's also one of the reasons I wrote be book. like people need to understand it's uh, for our physical and mental health that we need to talk to people, we need to bond with each other, and we need to take time to do that.
1: It's not, I suppose, just COVID. I mean, I think COVID was an accelerant to, to leading people to feel isolated and disconnected. I'd hate to think what the long-term impact is going to be on kids who didn't get to go to school at a transformational time in their lives. But it's also, I think we can look at just the impact of social media, things like dating apps as well. The impact, all these, as you say, the screens have had on us to make us not necessarily fear physical connection, but also it's it's conditioned us. Away from just the natural way that we connect, whether it's walking into a bar and just speaking to a random stranger or a coffee shop is to immerse ourselves in these screens, which is, it's our attention is, is no longer in the physical world. Even when we're out physically, we're, dis- we're disconnected. I mean, how often do we go to events? And I, whether I'm like tonight, I'm going to an event here in Austin. I went to plenty in New York. And when you're at these networking events, everyone's standing up. If they're on their own, they're on their screens. Uh, so the, there's a, there's a behavior change we've got to somehow trigger in people. Yeah. So you could create community like you're doing and you can encourage and nurture it. But how do we get people to, how do we wind back the use of, of these screens when we're in physical spaces, when we're coming together and to encourage people and entice them back to the beauty and power and serendipity of physical connection with strangers?
0: I think people do that because it's just easy. You've got you've got your phone, you've got your screen, and it's easy. It's quick and easy. So some people just do that because that's what came. Like you, you order some food with your with your phone. You you switched and you date with phones. You watch Netflix on your phone anyway. So I think um, for the last four years, everything that I'm doing. Is pretty much in real life. So when I say make the more, the world more human and the human more alive, how I do that, it's by doing human experiences in real life and make people connect at a different level or frequency. So it's, it's the energy and the time you put into going back to simple act of uh, kindness. Simple ways of connecting with each other. I've got lots of rituals. So what, what I do for work now and, and it's bizarre to say for work because I just feel it's just, I do it for life, but creativity. So I'm a creative coach. So I'm enabling uh, people to connect to, to reconnect to their creative power. So that's one. I'm a Wim Hof instructor. So that's the second one. So it's also human experiences and that's we might touch based on that (laughs) after but it's 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 fascinating because it's just like a natural way of reconnecting to yourself and the nature around doing lots of ice breakers without ice
1: (laughs) because now i say
0: with or without ice no without i started without ice Mm -hmm. and that's just to try make teams uh again like bond um and make connection, like closer connection and talk their truth because we forgot about this. And I think the last one is I've got a supper club in Paris amongst all my other rituals, mm. but I've got a supper club. And the supper club is also way. So it's not thousands of people, it's eight people around a table once a month where I make people connect with each other again on a different frequency so it's and i'm not using any type of screens any very hype i don't know like materials or what i do is going back to the basics which means cooking myself so everything is homemade and the way i make people no one know each other again um and they leave the supper club saying. I haven't had this type of connection with strangers for such a long time. Wow. So, yeah, I think what we need to nurture going forward is going back to simple acts of being together, Mm -hmm. being with oneself and being together with the world.
1: Your book clearly is a way to scale your impact by inspiring other people to take up your mantle, to follow your manifesto. And I should just read your manifesto because I really like it. So for people that don't go to your website, it's uh, a community of believers and doers. We are a gang of thinkers and makers for a brighter future. We like to shake our community and do things differently. We spotlight and support positive impact initiatives. We shape collective innovation and creativity. We embrace and grow positive emotions. We aim to inspire and create change uh, we are willing to commit to a better world. It's it's just a a, a beautiful sentiment. So while your book will give you and once it's, especially when it's in English, greater scale. How can other people build from what build on what you've done? Because you physically you're one person, unless you're building a network of of Carolines to go out into other countries, not just in in France or in, in Holland. How do you bring it to the states? How can you encourage people to create other sunshine hours, supper clubs, icebreakers without the ice? In my case, and, and to learn from your insight and experience, and, and and as you say, your your zone of genius. How can we how can we scale this? Because there, it's it's an imperative that we need to address the societal damage that's been done by isolation and loneliness.
0: I'd say the couple of different actions that you can do and people can do. I think the first time is give some time. So we need to take some time to connect and to reconnect with some like old friendships. And time is a big one. Step into action mode is, is a second, is the second one.
1: Mm -hmm. How can we, how can we scale this? How can you scale it, and how can people like myself in the US build on what you're doing and and actually take action? Because as you said at the beginning, you're a woman of action, and I think everyone else feels compelled to to do something, but most people just don't know where to start.
0: Finding your people and building a community and making it to larger scale, I think you need you need some time, so you need to put time. Besides for like to connect with another and to step into action mode. So what I do and a couple of my uh, rituals uh, that I've been uh, doing for the last 15 years, uh, one is connect people with one another. And that's like super important. And I think this is something I've got in my blood. So whenever I meet someone, my brain is actually already thinking of the person I should connect you with, and I think mark i've got already a couple of people in mind, so that's that that's the first one and then I mean,
1: just to say jump in there, I do that yeah. as well I've been doing it for years, and my frustration with that is I've brought so many people together, and then i lose i don't know what happens after that it's almost like here it becomes there's an invisibility to it, so how do you Go beyond that phase one. Cause I think a lot of us like, I think there's a lot of people like to connect people and we go, Oh, you should know this person and you should connect. And I can see that's a phase one, but I've always felt there's something more to be done.
0: You know what? I've done also. So I'm doing a couple of times a year, some get together always in real life. No screens to make all of those people reconnect with each other and have the tribe uh, unified. So that's one. And I'm always doing it with intention. So it's not just, it's not another gathering. It's a different way to gather people together. But that's the same concept that I've got with my supper club. It's not, it's not a, another dinner in town. It's something where you grow, you ask questions, you are meaningful in the way you connect with each other. So that's mm-hmm. one. And I think, you don't really need to always be in the center of all the connection that you've made. Cause it reminds me of something that I've, I've shared in the book about smile. Cause I think smiling is the best, is the best first connection you can have with someone without even talking. And when I say like coming back to basics, it's just like simple random acts of being a human that helps you connect with each other and make the world more human and I think smile so if you think about it like back in the days as babies we would smile like 400 times a day Mm -hmm. 400 times as human now as adults it goes down to 20 times a day on average wow that's incredible Uh, data But the last number is, is one of which that I'm, I'm sharing with the world always is if you smile to one person one, once it impacts 500 smiles in a day on a row. So you smiling to someone, Mm -hmm. it impacts like 500 smiles. So just, it's just like research. So whenever I receive a smile, I'm more entitled to Mm -hmm. smile again to someone else if you see some people smiling to each other, you're going to smile as well as a return. It's just like, it's just uh, even like deeper than words of mouth. Like it's just something that connects to each other. So if you think of smiling and then connection and when you connect someone with someone else, this someone else will like the smile. It's just like a, a ripple effect.
1: That's fascinating. So
0: the work, the work will be done and the world will become brighter mm-hmm. because of your single act of connecting with someone or smiling to someone or it just, and I think I should have started by this, but everything needs to come from the heart and not the ego. So mm-hmm. anything that you do to connect with one another or even to connect some people with each other, might it be supper club or or whatever, like all the creativity work that I'm doing with people, I always and 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 my intention for people is that they travel from the head to their hearts,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's one of the longest journey that is on earth, so yeah,
1: but when people come to the supper club, presumably they're always it's not the same people. There's always new guests invited. How long does it take? I mean, you see they come there guarded, reticent, in their head. How do you create that journey at that, round that table over food? Which is a natural gathering place for us humans anyway. But what, what mechanisms do you use to put people at ease and to allow them to, to flow into their heart space?
0: So I've got This is my special kind of magic that I I use the same ingredients there and in all of my workshops that I do. None of the things are, everything is out of the box. So I make sure, so first I just set my intention and I share my intention. That's not a traditional dinner party. It's a place where you're going to share and you're going to be you. And that's like the rules. I set the rules. If there are any. And that anything that happens there is. Might be like very. Some things may may be very personal. But it's it's just a safe space. So I create the space with intention, love and care. And very quickly. So at the very, very beginning of when they enter. So it's in my place. Mm. So it's. It's just like the couple of different details that makes the, the, the gathering uh, special because it's in my place. I do the food myself and I ask people, I'm not going to give you all my secrets. No, no, but no, I'm just no, going no, to yeah. share it with I'm just going to share with you because if people want to experience the, the supper club in Paris, they're welcome mm-hmm. to <laughs> join in the table that I, I ask people to come with something, and that's not that's not a bottle of wine. It's something else. And the first thing I ask them to do before introducing to each other is I'm again they they've got like piece of papers and pen, and we do something creative to Mm. to share what their personal story is because that's another question I love to ask. What's your personal story? Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking like that, because it's a bit brutal when you
1: come in. Hmm. The people that uh, come to the Supper Club, do they apply, or do you do you select them from your network?
0: So it's a mix of both, but now I've got a page on my website, so people do apply, hmm. and I ask a few questions. And again... Uh, On the website, as you apply, you know where you're going to end up. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's obvious from my storytelling. And if people don't feel comfortable, they don't, they don't join in. And there are a couple of questions Mm. that I ask. And one of which is, what are you going to bring to the table? And with this, I'm, I'm not meaning again, bottle of wine or anything. It's just what is your special sparks that you're going to bring to the table
1: it sounds to me like there's a an aspect of your you're inviting people to not expose but to show their vulnerability to open themselves to to show a part of their character their life their story in a place a safe space that they probably wouldn't otherwise with in the comfort of strangers it must be quite a cathartic experience for a lot of people. You must see a transformation in terms of when they walk in to when they walk out, which must be very, but one empowering for you, but also so gratifying to see that.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, so in three hours time or four hours time, it's just a big shift from the minute they got in to when they leave. And I think I've managed to create this space. And to let this magic happens because, and again, if it's when I'm connecting, connecting the dots looking backwards, I felt really vulnerable and I didn't want to share my tears. And I thought it was, I couldn't do that for so many years. And I thought that was not what I should be showing to people. So I would make myself like, Be very like showing strong and, and being the strong woman and, and, and with times I understood that my vulnerability is my biggest strength to Mm -hmm. connect with each other. And when I understood that it, it just like, it was a big shift in the way I interact with people. I make bond with people and that's how I can create some safe space because i'm hypersensitive so i know what like i know in advance some of the things that will happen and how i need to deal with that so i know the space is very safe because if it's safe for me it's safe for others for sure
1: can you talk to us about your book and explain what you said it's new us is it a guidebook is it a manual but maybe just set um, some expectations of people that either can read French or to, to look out and put their names down for when it's out in English, what to expect.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a practical guide. So it's, you've got like different sections, but what I wanted to share with the world is just like practical tips, ideas, stories to step into action mode, to find your people, build your tribe, feel inspired reach out to people and how to feel alive with the people with your tribe so it's coming from it's coming from also my own story on top of research of course but my own mm-hmm. story from being a shy introvert kept out of the tribe to being now inspiring communities talking speaker on different events about community so i interviewed 17 people telling that the stories and I also tell a few of my stories because what what inspired me to do this book is when I set up my company. So when I shift four years ago, I had two two things that came up from people. The one was, oh Carol, yeah, that's gonna be really easy for you because you know everyone mm-hmm. and you've got ideas all the time. And I'm like after hearing Um, this for like so long. I'm like, this is not easy. You don't know where I'm coming from. So the starting point was not that easy. And so I wanted to share a simple way of if I managed to be here now, what have I put in place over all those years to come to this stage of Inspiring people in uh, the community space and creativity field. So and also, I think one of my, and that's something that I love to share, one of my rituals. Uh, it's also about community and, uh, learning and, and, and coming back to the question. So I'm mixing different questions that when you uh, ask at the very beginning, what, what made you you? I'd say one of the things. I never got a TV. So I was, and I never really, really read newspapers. So that's a good way to keep, uh, all the drama that's Mm. happening in the world. Uh, Uh, but how do I learn, grow? It's with the people I meet. And one of my rituals that I've been doing for the last 15 years, I'm taking one coffee with a stranger per week. So that's been going on for 15 years. And that's, that's just amazing how I've learned what I did, the stories I got. And you never know what can happen over a cup of coffee. It might be in real life. It might, it might be over a screen, but it's just, it's just an amazing way to learn the world and to find it's also a way for me to get inspired every day.
1: What started that behavior?
0: I was bored and I think I've always, and that's not easy on a daily basis, but I need to be challenged. I need to be inspired mm-hmm. from morning to night. Like that's, that's still, and, and when I mean inspired, it's, it's not like I need to read like hundred books and, and, and like, a deep dive into like very complexity stuff but i'm very curious of people and the world in general and i think i i managed to learn and to get into my brain stories that are told by people and not reading books or if i see something on tv that i don't have a tv but on a computer or whatever i'm not gonna be able to remember half of the things that I've Mm -hmm. watched. However, if I talk to someone or someone tells me a story, I will connect and I will connect the dots and it might actually trigger something on the work I'm doing right now or any connection, any weird connection. And Mm -hmm. it's going back to what you said before, Serendipity.
1: Yeah, it must be fascinating uh, to have gone even before you set up your the sunshine hour to have gone through that habitual behavior of meeting someone new every week takes a a a degree of courage because a lot of people is stepping outside your comfort zone and feeling comfortable with ambiguity and uncertainty and there must have been something in your childhood and that going back to those school days when you were the outsider the The person that looked a bit different was maybe objectified, maybe gave you that inner confidence to actually reach out to strangers and to invite them. Um, Because I know people have done what you're describing for a period of time and use it for social media and that type of thing. But 15 years, that's a long time. You must have encountered some fascinating, life-affirming stories in that period and led you to put in place the building blocks of what you're doing now. So I suppose that's my question in my sort of convoluted way. Do you think you could, you would be doing what you're doing now if you hadn't gone through that process of the 15 years of coffee conversations?
0: I think it surely helped in a way. And very unconsciously, I was planting seeds. Yeah. But again, it's when you look back and you connect the dots that it all makes sense and it's not going to make sense. Whatever you do, actually, sometimes it's not making sense, but just, just continue planting seeds. And over time, you know, you, you're going to know why you did that. And I think why it works for me and why it's still inspiring me. And I'm still doing it 15 years later. It's just because I'm doing it in a place of love and not to show off on social media because what I do is very basically I reach out. Nothing is put on social media except when I've got like stories, unexpected stuff that is happening. And I do make people... I've got one ritual that I do on my coffee rituals. So I ask one question is actually the same all the time. And sometimes I, I take photos and I've got stories like I... I meant to be, to do some projects just out of the coffee and the people I met. And I, I, I shared quite a few stories in my book. One of which is, and it happened not so long ago, like 2018, met a girl that was quite fascinating. And she was doing like uh she had a company doing biscuits and she was like putting messages on biscuits um, I organized, that was back in the time when I was working at chocolate show and I organized with her. uh, And that was just out of random conversation, like really random conversations. I said, I want to do something big with you at the chocolate show. And she said, oh, what's your idea? And I'm like, I want to organize a a live love proposal, like a, a proper proposals from a couple that like someone who's <laughs> who wants to get married and she's like how am i gonna do that i said i said well you've got the community like she she's got like this massive community online people love her biscuits and everything and they they actually they they were using the biscuits to share like like big news like life news and we ended up doing that proposal finding that couple it went live mm. on tv social media And I think out of the the seven years I worked at this chocolate company, it's the first year I actually cried during the whole thing. So, and just this was, we met for coffee at 9am a a Tuesday morning. So anything is possible when you connect with one being, again, in a place of heart and not expecting anything.
1: That's beautiful. I love it. It's funny how the thing that you keep, Coming back to throughout the conversation is you can't connect the dots. You only connect the dots looking back. And that's something that Steve Jobs said in his great commencement address. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You're connecting dots now, funnily in a way, with what you're doing. You're creating a network of dots and the impact. I think this ripple effect you're having on people is going to be fascinating to look at looking back in, in 10 or 15 years, what the impact of this community network building is going to have on people's lives, on communities and society, particularly why I think it is so important. Aside from, I've talked about the impact of social media, the pandemic, loneliness, we're also facing, there's also the political, the polarization that's happening in society with politics. But we've got the the huge opportunity, upside opportunity of AI, but also the, the impact it's going to have on our humanity. And I think the only thing that can protect us humans from As we get to general artificial intelligence is our ability to connect with other people as humans and what can emerge when we come together as human beings, not isolated. So our, if if we think about what's the moat that's going to protect us from the existential threat of AI, it is our common humanity. And I think what you're doing is putting in place the mechanisms and the, the, this, I suppose the, the habit forming behaviors that we need to Recapture because we've lost them. So I think that it is a, I, although, you know, it's amazing what you're doing. I think there's something even bigger there that people need to be inspired by and, and need to embrace if we are going to actually sort of protect ourselves as, as a species going forward. Now there's a couple of things you've said. You talked at the beginning about uh, your creativity. I also noticed on your site, you have a hashtag, the million creative tribe. Can, can you explain the, con- that in the context of what you're doing?
0: Yeah. So that's my big project for the next, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years. So I've understood by doing all those workshops on creativity for companies or so more corporates mm-hmm. that there are so many naming beliefs around creativity. One being, I'm not creative and I'm never going to be creative. So that's something. Big for people and coming from a place where I embrace the fact that creativity is my zone of genius. I'm not afraid to do, to say that I'm creative, but I, I actually help people connect to their creative soul. So that project is I've got the ambition to connect one million people to their creativity soul. And I want to start by getting out of corporates because I mean, I love doing work with corporates and that's, that's amazing. But some people don't have the budget, don't have the resources, are not part of companies and they need to uh, connect to their creativity inside, to their power of creativity, because this is, this is like the sense of belonging in a, in a different manner. I think if you, if you don't connect to your creative side, you just losing like half of your potential as a human and i think there, there's so many again there are so many health and wellbeing benefits about connecting your creativity and feeling empowered and just say and share with people uh yes and don't be afraid to say yes i'm creative so it's it's going to be a workshop i want to go into schools into uh minorities communities where they don't have uh that facility um, and it's very easy like for me it's just 2 hours and i take people on a journey mm-hmm. and at the end so at the very beginning i ask the question like who is creative in this world and people that like, start blushing like it's just like <laughs> it, it, it's just like the, the worst question i could ask people and then at the end you should see i actually should, uh, should film it like film, yeah. yeah because i asked the exact same question and people are even their their posture and you mm. like and they i see smiles and and even people like rising hands saying can i share a story i'm <laughs> like oh my god like there is a before and after and that's just, I want to bring that to anywhere I'm happy to travel. Like this is, this is how I, I know that's going to help people connect with each other as well.
1: And there is an urgency to that. I mean, we, I think that makes me think back to the great TED talk by Sir Ken Robinson. Mm, I don't know if you yeah. ever saw that where he yeah. talked about how educate, our creativity is educated out of us and it's and it's so true and it's it's so empowering and to believe that i mean having we've we've both worked in the creative industries and the biggest issue with the creative industries we have creative departments and then (laughs) oh you're a creative and you're not a creative it's it's crazy to think that the most creative of industries partitions it's it's superpower is creativity rather than encouraging it in others so I think that's, that's really exciting. How do you take it into schools? And because if we think about what Ken Robinson said, it's educated out of us. So you go into a room full of five-year-olds and ask who's creative, everyone will probably put their hands up. But by, you know, 10th grade in the US or secondary school in in the UK, you ask kids that when they're 15, 16, how many are creative, then you know, as you say, there'll be people shrinking in their seats, looking the other way and not putting their hands up. And then there'll be those that, you know, smattering of them that do. So how, how can you, where do you start with this? What's more important? Is it minority communities or is it schools? And who do you approach to do it? Or whose help do you need? If, you know, if anyone listening to this can reach out to you.
0: Yeah, you know what, it's very, Early stage, wanting me to get out there where uh, people are not waiting for me and where people need me the most, Mm. I'd say. So I'm in the process of getting in touch with, and I think word of mouth, so people hearing this podcast Mm. would be a great help because I do think what I love to teach uh, minorities or at school is... What if there was another way? So other way of telling, teaching about creativity. And even the, like at the very beginning of my workshop, I don't, I don't tell the definition of creativity because there are tons. And this is not the point. The point is actually again, stepping into action mode. So I don't have as yet any magical formula to uh, get into schools that i do trust and that's the beauty of my tribe uh, worldwide is that whenever i'm talking about this project people are very passionate about this mission and they actually uh, connect me with people organization institutions and i have great talks with some people that i i my wish and my one of my dreams for twenty twenty four is actually getting out of Europe or France and and do that elsewhere and have the maximum people understand that if should connect with your creativity at an early age mm-hmm. and and just learn of how you can do things differently and twist the statu quo. Uh, it's going to help you in any range of your life it's 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 one of the reasons why I want to do it outside corporates because it's not just to be a better leader or team member or being more creative in your work it's just being more creative in the way you wake up in the morning and do your day and connect with each other at any level
1: An observation but um, I think I mentioned to you when we first met that I interviewed a guy. I called Math Potts, who has an organization called Camarados, and what he does is he believes, knows, understands that the only thing that people really need is purpose and connection or community, so he creates public living rooms and takes furniture around the country and has got now a network of people around the world taking his insights and simple six step they 're not rules but guidance to how to create these community spaces, these third spaces, essentially, in other countries and having a massive impact on it. Do you think that you could do a similar thing with, let's say, whether it be the Sunshine Hour or for to build your creative tribe? Or could you do it with Supper Club? Could you sort of almost like expand it so that you're not just the only person, but there are people, cohorts like you, Around the world, taking your your tools, your techniques, your insights, and creating that exponential ripple effect
0: that that is on my to wish list, to do list, or whatever we call it. So I've come to understand that I've got like this kind of playbook in my head of how I do things and and the winning formula of my workshop and that I could easily coach people with like some guidelines and do and don't Mm. and be ready to actually embrace and empower creativity, connection, purpose, and all of those, the supper club as well. And to actually find some people in different countries and to be leaders in their Mm. uh, own city But I do think even if we've got people embracing that position in a couple of different cities, we need a couple of times a year to have like this big get-together with all those people to create the momentum.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I could see it. You know, just as you're talking, you've got these component pieces. And if you have a, I don't know if you have a a platform, like a Mighty Networks or Circle or one of these ones that everyone's a part of. You have your community leaders in different countries. There are, there are many Carolines that are leaders in those countries, running supper clubs, running creative coaching sessions with schools, marginalized communities, running virtual sunshine hours, doing their coffee meetups. And everyone that they're then encountering gets invited to the network Clearly, there's an opportunity for some revenue generation for you in that network, and then you have your annual or biannual get together on some island or wherever. But I could see it. I could see how it could it can scale.
0: There is so much to do. It's Mm. just uh, a matter of, I think, finding the right people and 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 having this common purpose. You talk about purpose, but I think. And I talk a lot about intention. Mm-hmm. You have to know your intention and how you want to do it, and and the values you attach to this intention and purpose. And then and then it can only be like beneficial for the world.
1: No, for sure. You you've said uh, that you find comfort in the discomfort. Where does that come from?
0: So that comes from, and I think I've I've mastered this the last two years. As I got myself into ice bathing, which was not really where I thought I would end up because I was the one being always cold within the tribe. So coming from like a fear of cold and everything. And then found myself interested about the Wim Hof world. So for the ones who Wim Hof, you have no idea. He's this man from the Netherlands who created this. 100% natural methods uh, around breathing and ice bathing to feel stronger, healthier and happier to get it short. And I've, the first time I've emerged myself into the ice, it was a life changing experience. And I got out of the, of the ice bath and I thought to myself, if I manage to do that, like my, my brain like switched. If I manage to do that, I can manage to do anything in my life. Mm-hmm whatever the matter is, like whatever it is. And then I really deep dive into the method and and got certified a Wim Hof instructor. So it's just, for me, it's just an amazing tool. And again, something 100% natural because it's all about breathing. So going back inwards, breathing, ice bathing, which you can do. You can do cold showers. That's a good one as well. If you don't have, if you live in an apartment like me in Paris and you don't have uh, an ice bath in the yeah. middle of your living room, cold shower is a very good one. Uh, otherwise ice bathing in nature is amazing as well. So it's just like amazing. And if you should do it with consistency every day. So for example, for the cold shower cold shower every day or just end up your shower with cold
1: for one one minute
0: just makes an amazing effect and when you start your day with a cold shower anything could happen after like it's fine you're gonna deal with that like you've managed to find comfort into the discomfort because of course it's painful the first time the second time the tenth time of course it's painful but you know what your brain's gonna remember that Feeling and it's gonna it's gonna help you deal with if you if your body like remember this sort of uh, what they called positive stretches, mm-hmm. like small positive stresses you're gonna be able to deal with any type of physical emotional pain that might arise within your
1: life. Yep, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I know so well I need to be doing these cold showers. The one minute ending it, I need to do it. Anyway, less about me. Um, you've come through a fascinating trajectory from those early years of isolation and at school, not saying you're ostracized, but you're the outsider, to building a tribe, a, a global community that's growing and scaling. It's natural for any human, to deal to face fear, uncertainty, doubt, you know we all have our quiet moments where you, we worry how do you how do you deal with that?
0: I would say that I make my dreams bigger than my fears, so I tend to go when my fears are the highest because I do believe that like first behind a fear, there is a deep desire of something and I think by stepping out of my comfort zone and challenging myself more and more, I actually tend to lower my fears with dimes. And I think it was, it was very true. And it's always been true. But again, the last four or five years as I shifted, like there's so many things, like just last year, if, if I remember last year, cause I, I did kind of a sum up of my 2023. I bloody jumped. I jumped out of a seven meter cliff into ice water. Oh, so f- that, that f- was f- like, come on. It's just like, uh, it's it just something I was so scared of. Uh, I climbed a mountain, uh, in Poland. It was minus, uh, 20, uh, 25 degrees. Uh, I was in shorts, uh, and I'm still alive and smiling to you, Mark. So, mm. uh, wrote a book and I'm not a writer. So it's just, convince myself that I've got all the tools inside and I can achieve anything. And just remembering all those. And when when it comes like all those times of self-doubt, uncertainty and everything, I just recall, I just remember all those happy achievements and, and stuff that I did where I got out of my comfort zone. I've got the image right there and I'm like, okay, yeah, seven meter cliff jump yeah that's fine so I'm ready for anything I think that helps me
1: aside from Wim Hof who or what inspires you
0: I'd say I'm not a big like I, I'm I'm not gonna name any like famous people I admire but it's just like I'd say that more commonly people who are themselves no matter what like people who are who they are without no fi- like with no filters and um, And sometimes the most random encounters, I smile because I've got someone in mind, like in the middle of the desert. I did a eight days desert trekking in Morocco and this guy, the guide that had been living in the desert for 20 years. So all he could see was sand said one day as I was walking, And my feet were hurting and I couldn't. Anyway, I had a hard day uh, within the eight days. And I said, I started saying, telling him, oh, it's a shame because blah, blah, blah. And then he stopped me and he said, in life, it's never a shame. It's never too late. And I was like, it's never a shame. It's never too late. Oh, that's a good one. You know what? It's just so simple. And he was Mm. just there. So I think people who inspire me are the people who are just, Simply who they are, and and people, and I'd say as well people who show up for the tribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big one for me.
1: Aside from your book, new, uh, is there a book you would recommend people read this year?
0: I am reading, so I haven't finished, but I've got it here. So, Ah, I'm so for happy, mug it. Yeah, so just just started. I'm in page yeah hundred. It's just I found it very refreshing to mm. have another point of view of someone who is an engineer to talk about happiness uh yeah the joy to to the past to joy so that's yeah. that was that is a good one
1: great book i would ask you what show should people watch but you don't watch shows so <laughs> i will skip that one and you've, you i mean you've, what you're doing with your coffee conversations the uh, wim hof method the ice baths the showering. The Supper Club, they're all great. You could put them into the term of life hacks. But if there's any other little hack that you think that people might not be aware of that they could do that would be have a little marginal but potentially big impact on their lives.
0: One that was very true for me the last few years is go slow to grow fast. Hmm. It's just like slow down because, again... I'm gonna say it for the I don't know four or five times, but connecting the dots looking backwards. Mm-hmm. So just stop and say and stay silent, because mm-hmm. I think I had the deepest epiphanies, ideas, connection in silence. And when I was actually slowing down, and I think two of my deepest, like the sunshine hour, I had the idea when I was sitting in my chair, looking at the sun, not doing anything, just breathing. And last year, my why, so my why that I managed to put into words was when I was climbing that mountain in Poland by minus 25 that I was, we didn't talk for three hours. So there was no talking for three hours and it was just breathing inside. Mm -hmm. So that was all in silence. And it was like, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd sum up by go slow to grow fast because that's, that was a big one for me. And then another one would be uh, morning pages. Drama. So yeah, journaling. And you know what? Uh, the minutes you get out of bed and what helped me, cause now I'm doing morning pages, but before and I, I kind of mix, uh, both, but for some people, the blank page is like quite like intense and stressful. And people have no idea and they they kind of get stressed saying, I've got no idea what to write. Like, what do you want me to write? So there is this amazing tool called the 5-Minute Journal. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. it. It's amazing. And it's I've had a couple of different versions of this one. <laughs> so it's for the people that struggle with a blank page. So just one page, two minutes when you get up, two minutes when you go to bed, and you just write down like, Three things you grateful for, your -hmm. intention for the day and how your day would be a wonderful day. And at the end, you reflect on your day. And that's great questions. Very simple. It really helps me, yeah, going forward. So that's that's a good one. And And the last one, and that's for you, Mark. I'm just Mm going to repeat cold shower because you know what? I'm going to add a number. I'm going to add a number. If you do a cold shower, it raises your dopamine levels by two hundred and fifty percent. Yes, that's right. Okay. Dopamine level two hundred and fifty percent. So tomorrow you're gonna have to have your cold shower. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Can you? Can you just? Sorry, but not sorry. Can, can you do it gradually? Can you cl- turn it down, 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 so you climatize? Or do you have to do it all in one go?
0: You know what. The second part of my why is one step and one breath at a time. So it's only with small steps. So you start small and then you pick up. So mm-hmm. tomorrow morning, you're just going to do your warm shower. And at mm-hmm. the end, you're going to do, I started. So I'm a Wim Hof instructor. I started three years ago with five seconds of cold water at the end of night warm shower. Mm-hmm. And now I can stand, like I, I can, I can. Take like cold showers for like a few minutes and do ice baths and everything. So start small and then.
1: I think that the issue I've got is a trauma. You know, I, I was at, I went to for a, a little bit of time at school, I went to a boarding school. I wasn't exactly the most well behaved kid. I won't get into some of the stories, but you know, my punishment amongst other things was being made to go out in the wilds of Scotland and the Perthshire. Countryside and run in my kilt and a little singlet in the snow round the cross country course at at six in the morning and then come in and have to stand in a cold shower while the prefects would watch. It's not. It's. It in no way it improves your dopamine level at all. I can. <laughs> so I've got this legacy trauma from from teenage years that I've got to overcome, but that's my that's my challenge. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up. So you're you. You describe yourself again as you're clearly a creative woman of action and unconve- un- unconventional maybe in your methods. So, you know, it's totally inspiring to see what you're doing and anything that I can do and use our networks to help you and connect you and scale this. We're, we're open to it, which then leads us to uh, reciprocate and ask you, well, through our, I have this belief in the power of random collisions of connecting other guests and stuff. And I'll certainly do that with you. So yeah, if you're open to that, we'll, we'll start doing that and look for, explore ways, always looking for ways to collaborate with guests that are doing important, impactful work in the world, particularly when they use the word action takers, because, you know, I think we've, I've said this on previous interviews and podcasts, um, uh, episodes. We've got enough think tanks. We need action takers. We need to create an action engine of people uh, connected together across the world, who are all united in the same belief that uh, small little bits of action will have an exponential effect on communities and people as we re- rediscover our humanity. So, yeah, hopefully, will this will not be the last time we speak. So, the final final question is: Who do we interview next?
0: Okay. I've got this person you need to meet and interview. And he's called Edward Malkenborg. He's, yeah, he's a great man of community and a man of action too. And he values community like no others. So he was, he was my stranger coffee two weeks ago. And you know what? He's been working in the advertising world for 20 years. So we've got stuff in common. Mm-hmm. He had his own agency and he stopped everything for one mission to pour coffee in elderly homes. And he started yeah. doing that and collecting amazing stories by asking those people, what can I learn from you? He wrote Brilliant. a book. He was on TV And I'm not going to say more because he's got like some amazing project you're going to be passionate about. So you need to reach out for sure.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely want to talk. That's fascinating. That intersects with some other sort of work I'm doing aside from the podcast. So that'd be fascinating. Okay. Well, Caroline, thank you. I really appreciate your time. Um, Inspired by the work you're doing. Challenged by the, the well, The challenge that i face of uh, taking cold showers i'll report back on how that goes we'll see if my dopamine spikes i'll have to get some monitor for that one and yeah look forward to following up on what you're doing and uh, yeah all power to you
0: thank you mark for this conversation that was very inspiring
1: thank you okay okay that's all for now folks now here's my ask of you please follow this podcast on apple or spotify or whatever player you use Also, please subscribe to our Random Collisions newsletter. We really are working to build a global community of action takers, action engines of people that really care about the problems that need solving. Thank you very much and see you next time.